to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? The blackest dies. Oh, God. Come on! back to the skewered universe podcast my name is jeff and i'm leanne leanne it's first watch february what up we got a movie to talk about i hope so but well you're pointing at me (laughs) i know let me do this we have guests for this episode yeah they're some of my favorite people (laughs) they're they're good people of course you guys know paul as one of the hosts of invasion of the podcast you can hear him on strange highways and He's joined by his wife, Mary. How are you guys doing this evening? Uh, good. Um, just want to let you know that we heart cham and that uh, <laughs> our our favorite um, brand of milk is Cal brand, that we stand by it. So I just want people to know that. And our, our favorite fish food, remember. Is what, Tetra? Just, or, yeah, just fish food. Yeah, our favorite brand of fish food is make sure you feed your fish. <laughs> it's like, oh, because I forgot to feed you yesterday. Um, Mima is a bad fish owner, and I think <laughs> real, the real killer in this movie is her neglect of the fish. So let's get into that. Um, yeah, I, I've already ruined the movie for everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's the whole point of the movie is the fish. Yeah. What of course, blue, like blue ocean, right? Yeah, because I mean, like... if, there's, if there's no fish in the water, it's perfectly blue without fish. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so, of course, last year, Paul, we had you on the talk to Fade to Black, and we mentioned doing this movie, and we said we're going to get you on. We're doing this right at the very end. I mean, this is the end of February we're recording this, but, you know, I don't care. I'll still release it, because we're recording in February. It still counts. Of course, I'm talking about 1997 animated film, Perfect Blue. Excuse me, who are you? Excuse me, who are you? was a pop star. This is Mima's last performance with Cham. Who desired to become an actress. I really hope that I can entertain you just the same as an actress. But sometimes, aspirations can be deadly. I'm always watching Mima's room! In the world of make-believe. This is when Mima proves herself. The price of fame. Don't worry, Mima, it'll be all right. May not be worth the cost of identity. Where did this come from? How do they know so much? Innocence is lost. Dreams become nightmares. And privacy no longer exists. Where everything you do can be seen by everyone. 
And those you trust are really those you should fear. Your life no longer belongs to you. Excuse me. Who Manga are you? Entertainment me. presents Satoshi Khan's animated psychological thriller. And this is directed, if I can pull this up and I can say this correctly, Satoshi Kon? Satoshi Kon? Yeah, Satoshi Kon. I think that's correct. Satoshi. Okay. Um, I'm not sure about who's actually in this, but this is this movie. Intense. The story of a pop idol wanting to become an actress and the craziness that ensues. And, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this and we'll go through everything. Uh, just so everyone knows, spoilers, we will be talking about this film completely. And maybe we should talk about some triggers? Yeah, there could definitely be triggers. First thing I want to ask, though, is, Paul and Mary, what brought you guys to this movie? Like, how did you discover it? Was it just on a whim? Did you stumble across it somewhere? Somebody recommend it or torture you with it? Well, I'm just going to leave that answer to Paul, because he's the one who introduced it to me. So. Yeah, um... <laughs> So, uh, so also you should be thankful. We have one extra day in this month. So, you know, we got, we're recording this on the 28th. You have all of the 29th to get this ready. So be thankful that we have a full another 24 hours for first watch February. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I just, I mean, you know, damn the Gregorian calendar or whatever. Right. So, uh, um, yeah, uh, this, uh, this film, uh, when it was released, you said it was, uh, yeah, it was released in 97. Um, I, I remember reading about it at the time in Fangoria um, and because I, I was working at an amusement park here in uh, Northeast Ohio and I was living with some people that had like they, they had Fangoria's. They had like, you know, they, they were into like a lot of the like, you know, just the lower grade monster movies and stuff. And I ended up reading about this and they like they're like this. It, it was described as like very suspenseful and like really well done and like Hitchcockian. And I'm like, OK, cool. And then um I don't know, like, I know you guys are West Coast. I know that sometimes mm-hmm. diff- different chains are regional. Do you remember, do you remember a store called Babbage's? It was a soft, like a computer software store. I don't know. Like, it might be, think of it as like equivalent to like, um, oh, I don't know. It was more a computer game store. Uh, it was like a precursor to like EB Games or like GameStop. Well, wow. Babbage's was EB Games. Okay, they got there you go. Yeah, one company okay. bought the other. I don't yeah. remember which was but, which, but but Babbage's was more PC, and then eventually they started moving into um, like you know, PlayStation, and, and then the PC it. games yeah, had yeah. a little corner of the store, and then the PC games had a cart in the store, yeah, and then just, the PC so, games had a shelf in the store. <laughs> so, meaning I was I, I walked into this Babbage's, and they actually had a cart full of uh, VHS, like manga uh, or anime VHS. Ooh, okay. So this was like 90, that was like 97, 98 is when I first, uh, cause I was reading about it and I saw it there and I was like, I got to buy this. So I bought, I was a blind buy. So I bought the VHS at the time and I just watched it and fell in love with it. I'm not an anime guy. Not that I'm like, I'm not anti-anime. It's just that this thing just stuck with me and it felt, it felt different enough to me because it feels like, cause I mean, knowing that it was supposed to be originally a live action film and then there was budgetary issues and they switched to animation. Um, and I'm actually, I think it's a stronger film because of it. Cause you can, cause me, especially at the time you were able to get like do more with it. Right. Um, so it's always like, I've known about this film since I per, like, you know, what I'm 45, I've known about this film for like 20 plus years now. Like it's just been this thing I've had. And so eventually I stopped having a VCR. So as well as things, I eventually lost my VHS copy. 
um, to time. And then whenever it got re-released on Blu-ray a couple years ago, I just immediately ordered it. And I, I, I sat my wife down. I was like, we got to watch this. Like, and I didn't want to tell her anything about it, which is the same thing. I didn't want to tell the both of you about it. Mm-hmm. Because, um, again, we mentioned like full, we're going to go full spoilers. This film is available to watch from Shudder. If you have yes. that, go check it out. Um, you could also go, we, we talked about this before we started recording officially. The Shudder version is the subtitle version, which is phenomenal regardless. There is an English dub that is great as well. Um, that you can find. It's, you can find it on YouTube, but just some of the stuff isn't translated, but the English dubbing is there. So people, please, 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 if you have, if you trust us talking about it, watch this movie before it gets spoiled. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I sat down and made her watch that and I've been singing the praises of this. And then was it like a year or so ago? Not even, was it a year ago? I don't know. Shudder with Joe Bob in the last drive in. He did his, he did an animation double feature, which he's never done to, he's never done animated films before, I guess, with the last drive-in or even mm-hmm. Monster Vision. And he did that and he partnered it up with, um, the Phil Tippett Mad God. That was another shutter of, well, original, whatever. And that so. That was the episode. Okay. Cause I remember him doing Mad God and I didn't catch what else was with it because everything was just Mad God. Yeah. Which, so, which I, I haven't I, got to yet. I have a lot of friends. Uh, we have a lot of friends in common that really, really like that film. I'm, I'm not a fan, but your mileage may vary, but still pretty great that, um, Joe Bob put these two together. Cause I mean, Phil Tippett does deserve to be, you know, like given credit for his work there too. But then whenever they announced Perfect Blue as being like the second one, I lost my goddamn mind and I was like, good. Well, I want people <laughs> to see this. So that yeah. like, so like, I think there, I mean, not that I'm saying we don't have friends that didn't already know about this film, but that gives it that Joe Bob bump. So I'm hoping that more people have seen this because I think it's completely worthy of the watch. So that was how I came to it. Okay. And then, of course, you introduced Mary to it and made her watch it. Multiple times. We, I think we watched it together three times. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think made her watch it is the appropriate term no, to I'm, use there. I'm a fan of, anim- well, certain animes. I used to be more into anime than I am now, but I, I generally enjoy them. Yeah. I mean, there's the time. like this When this came out, like of course, there's like Akira, like other great animated films like Jap, you know, the Japanese actually treated it with the, the degree, a degree of civic, like um, seriousness, right. That we don't necessarily have here as a Western audience. And then Miyazaki and all those other wonderful things too, right? Like there's a wonderful storytelling and uh celebration animation, just that a lot of the, what we, what is now considered like anime, it just, you know, I'm old man shakes fist at cloud. Not for me. Fine with that. You know, like, <laughs> like, like I own perfect blue and the only manga I own, the only book series I own is uh battle Royale. Like that's it. Like I'm not that I'm saying I wouldn't be up to other things like Junji Ito's written some cool stuff. I read Uzumaki about a year and a half ago. That was amazing. But like for the most part, like just, you know, <laughs> some of it's just like, uh, was it like one piece and Naruto and whatever other words that'll make sense to me. Like I'm not avatar. Like, I don't know. Sure. I mean, a lot yeah. of people like avatar, but like, you know, uh, Sure, I don't know. Not no, like Avatar, the last air <laughs> no, 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 no. I yes, I understand. Not no, no. <laughs> not the blue kid, cats. No, the, the bald kid, not the blue people. I am aware. Not Thank the you. blue cat people. Yeah, yes, yes. Not James Cameron's blue fern gully. James Cameron's papyrus. Yes. Um. So. Uh, oh, I will never be able to unsee that. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's where that's where I'm at. Like, so for me, uh to to sing the praises and try to shove this movie on everybody i think it means something not that i'm not that i'm anti uh anime it's just that this thing has hit me hard like what i would like it was just you know you have those those movies that you watch when you're younger that's like those like you know lightning in a bottle formative moments and i was mm-hmm. like what 
2021 when I watched this. I never forgot it. I got to get you to watch Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah. Well, yes, I know. Because I, I want to be sad and cry a lot. So, I have, yes. We have it on DVD. I'm, okay. Can yeah. we not watch that tonight? <laughs> that sounds like uh, something that's right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I mean, if you want to cry a lot, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. No, like so. <laughs> anyway. yeah. So it's just one of these films. It's like it's been burned into my my you know my film loving self, and I just want more people to see it. So that's that. So I keep championing it. I'm talking too much, but I I love this movie. Awesome. So it sounds like Perfect Blue and The Baby are two of your <laughs> films that you want to introduce. They're almost people. the same yeah. thing. I uh, know. Uh, no, The Baby, <laughs> the, the cop, whatever. That was also covered by The I Last mean, Drive. They both In. have mommy issues to yeah, a degree. Well, mo- yeah, mo- I don't know about <laughs> kind of. Uh, no, no, it's just uh, with them both being covered by Joe Bob, that both those films have gotten, I think, a little bit more wide exposure so people could appreciate how weird they are in their own ways. Yeah. That's that's very, very yeah. That's that's perfect. I don't know what else to say. You summed it up perfectly there. <laughs> uh, now, as far as us, like we said, Leanne and I, this is our first time seeing this movie. It's fucking amazing. I love it. And now, Leanne, I'm going to ask you because Paul and Mary talked about. So, have you ever watched any other anime, or is it something? I've watched maybe a handful tops. Okay. Um. So this is pretty new to me, but, uh, you know, I didn't like the, anim- the drawing style. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it threw me off. It's weird. But I'm, then I thought, okay, that's probably just because it's anime. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Cause I well, you mentioned some of the characters are very, not just our main antagonist looking kind of odd because he was, it's just some of the, People in the background were drawn a certain way that was kind of odd in certain certain ways. I know you mentioned that. Well, no, I mean that. It, yes, that is true. But I mean everything as a whole. Oh, the overall style of everything. Yeah. Okay. There's kind of this okay. weird, like, um, uh, westernification, or whatever you want to call it, like of the way that even though this is definitely a Japanese movie, that like some of like some of the um, some of the uh, the ethnicities like kind of uh, sanded off some of the main characters so they look a little bit more appealing. Like there's that kind of weird like American Western type of like vibe going on there with like the pop stars. And then there's even yeah. jokes in the movie. You could tell that um, the director was taking the piss out of like where they picked up one of the anime magazines and you see like this exaggerated like Sailor Moon with like the big face and like the contours and everything. So it's like I, I think they understood the tropes that they were even working with at the time. But they still kind of made this look a little bit more grounded, even though you get to some of the more odd characters and their various uh, distances of their eyes on their face. Um, you know, like, which Mary, that she'll talk about that, I'm sure. But uh, uh, it's just, you know, I think that there was this kind of that I think that was kind of a known style at the time of how like characters were per, like portrayed that they were. Um, this was definitely a, a Japanese production, but there was this like Western attempt artistic choice yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, i'm i'm thinking more artistically as as like shadows and lines and things like that it's like i don't i haven't watched enough anime to know if this was a typical um i don't think so i think he was very heavily influenced by noir and like hitchcock and like everything else where he wanted like uh like de palma like some of the way he did some of the things here i think he was very cinematic 
in the way that they they put together like the storyboards and the shot sequences. And yeah, I that makes sense because um, that's that's definitely a vibe I get. And I haven't seen enough noir stuff to know what to look for. I guess. Well, because light is very important in this, like especially with like whenever we have Mima. Uh, being in front of the studio lights, right? There's so much of that focus and that washed outness that goes on with this. And like, so, so you're right. Like it, it was all purposeful. Uh, but credit to like it, they, they constantly leave you uneven throughout. Yeah. Like, yeah. Lighting and color has a good, a good way of keeping you disoriented with this. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. My own experience with Japanese animation goes, back, because I was a big fan of Voltron growing up as a kid. So there was that, and then later on I got into uh, Evangelion Neon Genesis. Which I really like. I haven't finished the series yet, but I really like it. But there's that frenetic style that comes with those with the action, and it's very much fast-paced, and this is so different. Like you said, it's very noir. It's There's a deliberate reason it's done the way it is, and I, I absolutely love the way they did Perfect Blue. It's Stunning, amazing, but amazing but stunning, but in an unnerving way. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, you can tell that they they purposely were taking the piss out of what you're talking about because the very beginning of the movie it shows like a Power Rangers fight against a boss, right? <laughs> right. Um, and like, credit to like I we were, like I mentioned Joe Bob. I ended up watching his commentary about this, so I'm, I'm quoting a much smarter man than myself. Uh, he was making a point that like. At the time, most anime was like uh, mechs and like like sci-fi and robots and fighting like that, and that they were kind of just being like, "Yeah, this is what you think you're getting," and then they just pull the rug out like immediately, and then you get a different experience. And this was like a, like a purposely different take because that wasn't what was popular mainstream. So, in terms of making this an animated film. Um, you know, there was already probably a certain expectation of where this was going to go. And it would, and it's like, you know what? That's never going to go that way with this. And I think to, to be a fly on the wall for an audience in like 87 watching this for the first time would be phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, I wish I would have seen it earlier, sooner. I mean, yeah. yeah. I wish this was one that I knew about back then. But you guys didn't know anything about it until you watched it. So isn't that still. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, and I mean that in a, in a positive in the sense of like how how much stuff do you watch even with your first time watches that you still kind of already have an idea of what's going on because like the way that the culture works now and the way the internet works, you already kind of have an idea of what you're getting into. When's like the true like the older I get, I don't get those like completely blind first time watches anymore, you know, and um, and to be blown away. So I'm hoping that that caught you guys that way, because those, I think for me, that's that's divine and very few and far between. This definitely was one that caught us off guard. I didn't even read the description until we were about halfway through the movie. <laughs> and we had to pause it for something. And then I went, OK, let me read this and see it. I'm like, OK. <laughs> sometimes Shudder gives very descriptive plot synopsis. And you're like, OK, you just gave away the movie. So I didn't read it on purpose, so I had no idea. Much like last year with Fade to Black, all I knew was the main character dresses up as different movie characters. That was it. I That's, knew nothing yeah. else. And I made it a point not to read anything else about that film either. So, that yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't call that lightning in a bottle, but it was good to watch it. <laughs> um, yeah. 
No, like, but also like if you ever have people that you know that you trust, you're like, you need to watch this. And like that sometimes it's all I need to be like, okay, I know I'm in for something different and I trust that that they know that I'm going to have like a good experience with it or at least not good, but like, um, you know, a worthwhile experience. Maybe that's the way to phrase it. Yeah, I personally love really, really messed up movies. So I, this is like one of my top favorites now. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of fucked up movies. <laughs> I mean, I, I, fucked up for a reason. Yeah. Right? Like, I just oh, don't like. Sure. I don't well, no, I, I like all kinds of fucked up. And I enjoy that movie. No, Meet the Feebles is fucked up with a reason. I'm just not uh, saying I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. I don't know if it really has a reason. Oh, it does. Okay. It's just like, what if we made the Muppets, but like, gross. That's. Not a reason, but okay. <laughs> Such a good text. movie. Yeah. 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 Well, you <laughs> said something in common, and I am not a fan. So, um, well, I mean, it's better if you have some consumables while you watch it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I I absolutely love Meet the Feebles. All right, I'll see myself. You're outnumbered. Out. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> this this is the Lee and Jeff and Mary show now. <laughs> I've talked too much already, so please, you guys go on. Mary, you now leave the conversation. I'll just sit here amongst them by myself. <laughs> and play Russian roulette with a series of Muppets in, uh, in Vietnam. It's fine. You guys go on and talk. Oh, sure. Lord. <laughs> we could always start a diary. <laughs> help me, help me, help me, help me. <laughs> or a vlog. You can yeah. do a vlog. Well, that's, I think We're that's going to Paul's, Paul's room. room. Yeah, Paul's room. <laughs> It's like, oh, I bought my favorite energy drink today, Monster Brand. Uh, now, uh, oh, today I was very upset that I lost at Overwatch again. Uh, that's you know, so um, uh, no, that's so I think that's important too. That this was also this was brought into um, the the thing of so I guess we should establish with her being a pop star, pop idol, whatever you call it. Um, the culture there uh, is very different. At the, well, I mean, I don't know about now, but at the time. Being a pop idol wasn't like the same thing as what we, cause like, I'm sure when you guys were watching it where it's like, oh, she can't be a move, like a TV star. She's a pop star. It's like, that's so counterintuitive to our perception of fame in society here mm-hmm. where there it was kind of like, if you were brought into this girl group, that's almost like a, it's, it's, it's very much manufactured and the shelf life is very small. And so meaning that. Oh, and they work them like workhorses. Yeah. Those are, those the the k-pop and j-pop oh there's all kinds of dark yeah. stuff going on behind the scenes there well, well, Joe Bob points out he's like it's really funny that whenever she leaves cham that the duo that's left is excited that they made number 83 on the chart meaning like that was their level of success is that they tar- charted 83 of all the other girl groups out there me, so did you say she really left cham though since they all have the same face uh, sure uh, yeah whatever right <laughs> no, um but my point is just like like they they were successful but they were very much a small fish in a tank of also small fish that weren't being fed by an owner that's what i'm saying there no um <laughs> um so so making the transition from being a pop star to going to tv when the whole movie's like well that doesn't work that's not going to happen it's basically being like i don't know how to equate it where it's like oh you had you you were a successful youtuber cool like you weren't the biggest one but we're now going to give you a starring role in like a movie like you know i I don't know how maybe i don't know how to equate that maybe you were an influencer but you don't really have that experience but we're going to put you like front center and like you know this so i I don't know how to equate it but like so it's kind of this weird disconnect now where it's like oh you're a successful pop star you can't possibly be in other media when now 
like everybody crosses so over fluid, and everything. Yeah. yeah. I uh, think so, it helps that she's really pretty. Yeah. And also really naive. Yeah. Like, like uh, she just. Oh, was, you want to, yeah, you want to take photographs of me? I've heard, you know, rumors about what you get people to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Oops. How did I end up naked? <laughs> Uh, but even like whenever she like whenever there's the, the the comment about like oh I always go to Mima's room she's like oh and then whenever she gets her computer uh which was a big deal at the time that people didn't have computers or the internet because if you look at that futuristic technology of Netscape that they were looking at there <laughs> oh, man. it's funny now whenever like like Rumi's trying to explain to her what a website is and she's like I don't get it and she kind of just laughs about it it's a it's a funny line does it make sense now and yeah she's and like, like not at all not at all yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which again, you guys got to listen to the American dub. It's like she's the, the actress is really, really good at it. Um, like, uh, so, uh, then, but then she's like looking at this page and then she's like, Oh, I did do all that. That's funny. And it's like, d- like, um, uh, credit to the director because he also was like, because he really kind of just, he changed the source material greatly. Uh, so Satoshi Khan, um, it says the screenplay was done by, uh, Sadayuke Mori, but he was, he was so meticulous. He was involved in that too. That he he kind of realized like oh the internet's full of weirdos it's going to get weird right little did he know right uh, how yeah. much worse it was going to get and so when we eventually have her having that that imposter syndrome I not I mean I guess it's not even the because I mean someone is being someone's being no, an impo- she just feels like she's losing her mind yeah because, because well of because stress. yeah but when when someone's literally typing out the things that you did. And she's like, like, there's even a bit later on. She's like, I guess I went to the market today or whatever. It's like, that's even though it's very clear that she did not go to the market. Yeah. But it's like the paranoia broke her. Yeah. So I just think that he was very, like, very, um, he he saw the negative that was coming. And, and I'm sure maybe at the time room was like, oh, the internet's not going to be that bad. They had no idea that, that this film, as much as even though technology, like this film exists right on the edge of a technology and of a social media that we now know has blossomed and has gotten like, you know, good, bad, really bad. Otherwise, really otherwise it passed this point, but it's, it's still very much relatable because we can still exist because there is this online presence that's starting to happen. Right. And, and cell phones are a thing there too. So like it's right at that edge where, Technologically speaking, the story still makes sense to us in this day and age, but it called so much out that I don't think people were considering it like 20 plus years ago. It's the whole thing with him just doing the stalking and then posting it online and her going, wait a minute, how did he know what I said on set? How or whoever's posting this? How do they know what I said? How do they know what I'm talking about to Rumi? We were on set. There was nobody else there except you know, other people, but they were busy and I was very quiet about what I said. It's like, we see it now with like, well, Leanne and I with 2024 eyes. And it's like, of course there would be somebody doing this. The only difference is now there would have been somebody live streaming from somewhere else video of her in her apartment. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Cause like I even made the joke to Mary when we just watched the skin recently, like, cause before, before the, 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 the killing starts happening, the paparazzi is actually pretty polite. Did you notice that? Where it's like, oh, good morning. <laughs> yeah. They're like, so chill. I mean, except when they like try to shove through her door. That's what I'm saying. Cause that, what I'm saying, once the, once the killing started happening, they got more aggressive. But at first, they were just very polite. And so like that, I'm like, that would never happen. You know, <laughs> like it's, uh, her life would be a living hell just trying to be famous. Right. Um, so, um, I, I just, I think that speaks to a lot of that. 
I think that the, the transition to her being a star and then we talk about the photo shoot, but even before that, when she's part of the soap opera, whatever, no, whatever it is, um, whatever you call it, double bind. I don't know if it's soap opera, but it's a, like a week to week murder mystery show, uh, which I love the production schedule is that the guys writing the scripts the week before. Sure. That's a good call. That's going to work out real well. Um, yeah, so, none of the actors have any idea what's happening yeah. at all in the series. Like what's next? Like you'll have to wait. Like, huh? How do you expect me to prepare? <laughs> yeah. What, just figure it out. It's fine. You know, but, uh, uh, that, and then how, whenever there's the, the sequence in the strip club, which is, um, just terrible. Yeah. Trigger warning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and how they, how that all happens. It's like, and how she doesn't want to do it. You can tell she doesn't, Mima doesn't want to do it, but she doesn't want to let anybody else down. Also, she wants to prove that she can be an actress and she wants to shed that pop star self. And like yeah. just that whole thing, that whole sequence is, uh, I guess even later on, the director even said that, yeah, I, that probably went a bit too much, you know, for like if, the more you learn about this director, the more he was meticulous and detail oriented. But when people would ask him specifics about his movies, he'd be like, well, it's whatever you think it is. I don't think that's the case. I think he knew exactly what he wanted to do, but he didn't want to take away from people's own interpretations of the film. But that sequence, um, uh, it holds up in the worst ways possible. And it's a very effective sequence, but dear God. Um, and then watching Rumi sit there, like just checked out with that cigarette smoking and then the, the ash getting longer and longer. No, the silent crying. Yeah. Like, the silent tears streaming down her face. Yeah. That's, that adds to the terribleness. Yeah. Sure. And even the, even the other agent, um, he was like, you could tell he's like, yeah, this is bad. <laughs> you know, like, um, so yeah, um, I'm glad that I made you guys watch a movie involving a very, um, upsetting, <laughs> um, uh, uh, shooting of a fake rape scene that uh, blurs the lines. So there you go. You're welcome. Well, there, one of my favorite movies called American Mary has a, a scene that um, when she finally, like, because she's, she's fighting the assault, right? And she's fighting, fighting, fighting. And there's a point where she gives up. And the way she's hanging off, the way her head is off of the stage and this rape is happening to her it reminded me of the scene in american mary so do you think maybe they saw this because evidently there's been a lot of big filmmakers that have said that they've stolen from this movie purposely oh uh, i didn't think about that uh, aronofsky actually bought the rights to this um like the worldwide rights i thought it was the north american rights but i guess it was the worldwide worldwide rights to never actually distribute it, but he wanted to take certain shots from this and use them in Requiem for a Dream. And if you watch Black Swan, um, there are like so many striking similarities on purpose, especially like there's a sequence where Natalie Portman's character is in a bathtub screaming in the water um, that he took from this. And Christopher Nolan even said that he's taken shots from this film. So like there's a lot of pedigree that like people have come back to this to take things from. So I don't know about American Mary. I mean, I remember, I remember when I was working on blockbuster. I remember that cover art. So I, I know the movie you're talking about. I haven't seen it, but mm -hmm. I know it came out after this and I'm going to guess. Yeah. That, you know, In American like, Mary, it's, she's actually, instead of a stage, it's a bed yeah. and she can't fight because she's been drugged. Okay. So, I mean, it's probably not outside the possibility, right? Cause I'm going to guess that uh film nerds, eat this film up right yeah uh, so yeah. and oh, but that, of course yeah and then that, that sequence especially whenever especially that that whenever they they call cut 
and how everybody just stops and how like she like the guy's apologizing to to Mima. She's like, no, no, it's fine. And then right before the action's called, how she just like her she just turns dead eyed. Dear mm-hmm. God, is that effective? You know? Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. So um, and then with with Rumi walking out, like that's um very effective sequence. Uh, and uh, it's one of those things. It's like you know, um, fun and games are over with this, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 uh, Mima keeps um they. There is a there's a special feature on the DVD where they talk to the American voice actress for Mima, and the the question is asked, "Do you think Mima sells out?" And she's like, "Absolutely, she sells out." Mm-hmm. Uh, she tries to please everybody, but it's like, but then she also says that she she tries to take herself back through the rest of the movie, but she did sell herself out when she started doing with, with that sequence, and then the 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 photo shoot. Yep, that, that's very interesting. Um, yeah, so. Uh, again, I keep talking too much. My apologies. But that's the price that, you know, one pays when they want fame. You know, that's the a lot of times you sell out. And that's frustrating, right? It's always like you had, there's always that expectation. If you have to do nudity, you have to do a sex scene. You have to do all that. Like, um, I recently watched, um, uh, Edition Impossible, uh, Dead Reckoning a couple of days ago. Uh, Haley Atwell's in that. And we like, I mean, I don't know if we have to, to, to argue. She's a gorgeous person. Um, you know, we all love her as uh, Agent Carter or Captain Carter. Uh, they they never want I me. Mean, they put her in like some attractive like outfits, but they don't like like they like meaning like actual like smart looking outfits. But they don't like. There's never a sequence where she gets like stripped down or like near nude with like Tom Cruise. And I'm like, thank Christ, because one, Tom Cruise is a weirdo, and two, <laughs> like, can we just have Haley Atwell as being like a good actor, right? Um, and so it was just nice not to be like, oh, this is a car chase. And there went my blouse. Like, it was just nice not to have that moment, you know, like, uh, I just think that women are like the, the, the price they have to pay, like, um, oh, what's her name from, uh, uh, Game of Thrones? Um, uh, Daenerys. Yeah. Uh, like she eventually, like the last couple seasons, she broke in her contract. Like, I'm not doing nude scenes anymore. And then when it got to like, what was one of the last scene, like last season, she actually agreed to do one. She's like, cause I want to do this because it's a statement of power for my character. But like, you know, she was like, I'm done with this, you know? And I think what you're talking about, Leanne is like that you talk about selling out. It's like, I, I hate that that was always the assumption, especially like you have to be exploited or you're not going to, you're not going to make it. Right. And that's, I think this speaks to that and it's gross. Yeah, I agree. I think it also speaks to just how naive Mima is. Because she's so willing to please everybody, and they're like, hey, this rape scene. And she's like, well, I really want to be an actress. And Rumi is like, you don't have to do things like this. You could just stay a pop idol. You don't need to act. What they're asking of you is extreme. And she's like, yeah, but if I want to be an actress and taken seriously, I have to do this stuff. And it's like, well, no, you really don't. You don't. You can set limits right away. You may not get the roles you want right away. But you can set, you know, set your boundaries. Like, I'm not doing this. But yet. I, I kind of feel that the rape scene wasn't as sellouty as the photographs. No, for sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, because, yeah. you know, if I were to want to become an actress and someone said, hey, you got to do a rape scene, I'd be like, I'm going to nail that rape scene because I'm a good actress. Mm-hmm. But the photographs, that's different. Well, even her agent said something to the effect of, it's kind of like that movie with Jodie, what's-her-name? 
and they're referencing Jodie Foster's rape scene in The Accused, which I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen that scene because it was played in something. I don't remember what it was, but it was just horrific to watch. And I get what they were going for, and it does kind of mimic just how horrific something like that can be. But I do... It, the photos were definitely more sellouty than this, because this was her going, well, it's a controlled environment. I know I'm not actually going to be hurt. It's acting. But, like when Paul mentioned, her eyes just go dead. Her face. She's just... She dissociates in that moment. And then when they say, okay, action, she's right back to screaming and just... It's like, oh, that's... Well, with the photography thing, there's that bit where she's in the the bathroom, like waiting to come out, and um, you could tell that she's hesitant. But but the thing is, she already knows that this photographer is known for talking people into doing this. Meaning, like to speak to Leanne's portion of like, uh, you know, like this was supposed just to be a photo shoot. It was supposed to be a sexy photo shoot. You could be sexy without taking your clothes off. Whatever. Like I get that. Um, like I, this, if I ever have a sexy photo shoot, no one's going to see me like, no, no one needs that at all. Um, yeah, you, know, you, you can get some cheesecake, but that's about it. Uh, so, um, but <laughs> saying is like, we went like, so she like agreed to it, like after, like once things were going on, even though the reputation was already there. So I think that's what you were talking about, Leanne, of like, that's the sellout moment of like, she already knew what this guy was probably going to do and she let it happen anyway. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and the thing is, I, when I, before we, okay, I have to gather my thoughts. So when they're first introducing that she's going to be doing this photo shoot, I thought she doesn't know. She just thinks she's going to be sexy and there's going to be photographs. Not that he has a reputation, but then later when her bandmates were talking about her and one of them says, that this guy has, um, reputation. yes, the reputation and, uh, you know, yeah, she definitely got naked. And I was like, God, that's so rude. But then 30 seconds later, she's like, oh yeah, I'm getting nude. I'm like, oh, so you did know you did yeah. know. Like her bandmates knew that also like the fanboys already knew that that photographer had that reputation. So it was like, it was already permeated out there. Like this guy is known for doing this. So she yeah. did. So I agree with that. Um, Mary, I keep, uh, you're right here to my left, my wife. Being quiet, like, uh. No, you guys are summing it up pretty well. Like I, I completely agree with what Leanne said about like, uh, the photographs being very, very sellouty, but the, the rape scene, like, I, I do get how I feel like it can be pandering to a certain, um, sector of the audience. But I can't also see how it could prove her as a good actress. So that's it, kind of 50-50. No, I agree with that. I just, I get tired of how, like, somehow trauma is supposed to show the depth of a person's ability, right? It seems like women are always put through traumatic experiences on camera to show that they're a good actor. You know, and it's like, I don't know if that's always, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you don't have... <laughs> I don't know if men have the same thing. I mean, unless DiCaprio is like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go out in the, the, the Arctic and like, you know, get attacked by a bear for real or whatever he did. I did, I have not seen that movie yet, but I, I mean, maybe, maybe he ends up sleeping with the bear. I've not seen it, but um, <laughs> the thing is, um, you know, uh, I get that there's like that kind of method acting thing where they'll put themselves to like through the, like, the limits of that. But like, like that is a purposeful choice where I feel like for, for what it has been, and I'm, I'm hoping it's changing and it is to a degree is that, 
what is a purposeful choice for uh, a male actor um, versus a female actor where it's like, it's not always a given, right? Like it just, there was always like, Oh, you have so-and-so on this. Are they taking their top off? Like that was how it was for a long time. Right. Like, uh, like well, sure. That's how it still is. in a lot of parts sometimes of it's like, do you, do you think like, you I know, mean, Weinstein wasn't that long ago. Yes. I, oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, like why do people remember basic instinct? You know, like, and, and Sharon Stone did it right. But she was also under a false pretense of how they, they said they were going to shoot the sequence and then what they ended up showing on the camera. Yeah. So oh, hey, for real, I didn't know that. I haven't even seen it. Oh, well, it just whatever. It's just, it's what you sure. Uh, but, just, but we all, we do all know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. We have Dennis Nedry looking on sweaty as things are happening, but whatever. Anyway. Uh, sure, so sure. yeah. Um, did that yeah that whole sequence but uh and then and even now like uh there's still that that lawsuits is being brought up with um oh what's her name uh from black christmas uh she was um in that that Jul- uh, romeo and juliet film from the 70s when she was like 16 17 years old oh, and it was her and her, her uh, male co-star and they there was some like nudity in that and how she's like we were minors like she's like paramount plus is planning to release that now in the streaming service and then she's like stop it like we didn't like we how could we possibly olivia hussey that's the actress yeah. uh she's like we like we were minors don't do this and people keep ignoring it you know so um I, I, it's a whole i guess it's a whole other conversation but this is about the the pressure and influence of trying to to go above what you believe your station is in this film and that's when we end up getting the part that we even haven't even talked about yet um, and the part that I know that um, I know that Mary likes a great deal in this film is the um, the hallucinations of what what the filmmakers and the cast called virtual Mima, how she kept showing up as like the perfect epitome of the pop star and reflections and taunting mm-hmm. Mima. I know you like that a lot because it's, yeah. it's really trippy. It is trippy and it makes you wonder if you think you have the movie figured out or if you really don't. <laughs> and sometimes you do and sometimes no, you don't at all. <laughs> And before we get there, because it is really interesting to talk about that, I want to run dial back real quick to the beginning of this film when it opens, because we see, like you mentioned, that kind of cheesy Power Rangers-esque thing. I think it was like Powertron or something. So we see that. And this venue is very, like, it's reminiscent of, like, your state fair here in the U.S., so I mean, nobody's really paying attention to the show, like really. Concert. It was like a mall. Like it's just like, oh, all the parents yeah. are their kids are in a little beauty pageant, and it's right by the hot dog on a stick. You know, <laughs> like that's what it is. And when Cham comes on stage, they have, you know, there's a decent amount of people there watching them, but some aren't really into it. There's the the group of kids who are like causing a causing a problem, drinking and, beer, throwing beer cans, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. Who becomes our, you know, one of our villains in the movie? Uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Mamania yeah. or Melted Michael M- Jackson. Mamania. <laughs> which I thought was funny because if you just say it plain English, it's me mania. Me mania, but yeah, because yeah. yeah. he's obsessed with her. Yeah, but, but that's but, how that's how it is in my head. <laughs> but but but, uh, but candle wax melted Michael Jackson. Oh, God, so yeah. creepy. Yeah, always <laughs> not match. There, there, look at all. Last time we watched this, there was a bit where you see him like looking in the distance and the door closed. And I just, I just was watching and I just looked at Mary and I was like, hee hee. And then the door closed and she, uh, <laughs> <I just broke laughs> out laughing. 
So yeah, like, that's, uh, yeah. He's great, what would have happened, Michael Jackson. Sure. <laughs> he's what would have happened if somebody didn't have a fire extinguisher on the Pepsi commercial. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's mean. I'm I'm sorry. I'm that's sorry. Mom. Why would you do that anyway? So no, uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, you were making a point about Mr. Yeah. Mamanya. So it's just this is when you can see kind of why Mima wants to become an actress. The pop idol thing is just very like you're going to the mall. You're not really hitting anything. They never had a hit on the chart, which is impactful when she sees they made 83. She's like, we never had a song even on the charts. Wow, that's great. That they're 83. And then you can tell a little bit of her is like, should I even? She's like, no, no, I want to be an actress. That's my route. I got to change who I am to be an actress. Mm-hmm. But just seeing where it was, it's like, you're not really anywhere. You have your fans, but you're not progressing. So you can see where she's like, I don't want to do this anymore, so I want to be an actress. And it's like, well, to be an actress, you got to do these rape scenes. You, sh- you probably should do a photo shoot with this guy who's probably skeevy and will get you to do things you don't want to do, but you'll do it anyway for the attention and the fame. And can I just say that guy looked like a dime store knockoff of the lead character of Cowboy Bebop? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Which he is really funny, did. Which is funny because the 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 Amer- like the English actress that um, voiced um, uh, Rumi was actually in Cowboy Bebop, which I looked that up. Anyway, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> a lot of these voice actors have done a, a crap ton of uh, voiceover work. Well, yeah. Listening, there was a, uh, an interview with the director on one of the DVD special features where he talked for like 10 minutes and he, they asked about the casting of the voices for the original cast, which, which is what you heard when you guys were watching it. And they talked about for the voice of Mima that he, he was not familiar with any of the people's work when they would submit like their tapes. And he's like, he kept, he's like, I kept listening to her tape over and over again. And it felt right. And little did he know that she actually has done a great deal of voiceover work for like anime at that point, And that most of the crew was like rooting for him to pick her. And he had no idea who she was. And so I think it's interesting that um, they that she was also known for playing like upbeat, happy characters and that this was something even when they talked to her, which is also on the DVD, she wasn't sure how she would be able to handle like the violent scenes in terms of being a voice actress um, and how like she said the hardest part was the screaming. So when you watch that, you're like. Am I seeing Nima in real life right now? Like as she's talking, like it's just she seems so nice and polite, and then it's just like, how'd you feel though? She's like, I didn't want to like disappoint anybody, and I was just really upset about the screaming scenes. <laughs> 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 but and also like how the director's like, she was perfect. I'm like, I well, no shit, right? It all seems like <laughs> lined up pretty well. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's all I wanted to say was the beginning kind of sets you up for how she takes this because it's a very mall or state fair just this yes. low budget venue it's well, not yeah. a madison square garden it's not you know a, to put it in wrestling terms it's not corican hall where things yes. happen in new japan and paul and i will get that harry yes. and Leander are going what the hell not, not, <laughs> how do you bring tokyo wrestling dome. into perfect not, yeah, it's not the tokyo dome uh but yeah so um <laughs> no so like also too like whenever she actually when she gets that bit part on double bind and how the writer's like well let's figure this out and, and makes her bigger and bigger and that's where her ascent starts like i think that's also interesting too where it's like and how they used it becomes this like like folded in idea that they kind of use the, the 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 lead of her being a pop star and they don't say pop star in the story they call her a model, right? Mm-hmm. As her character in that. But then that's where like, they basically dovetail 
her being like kind of like a nobody, but like kind of known. But then when her story starts progressing in Double Bind, where she becomes like this um this killer the character becomes she she um disassociating uh, dis, was a dissociative identity disorder yeah you the, the it's not longer, no longer called split personality but that was the point of the, the the story in the story right um how that starts like unfolding there and then we get the other narrative of uh, her psyche crumbling and she's seeing reflections of her perfect mima self taunting mm-hmm. her um, which yeah. I love those sequences, like when she's on the subway and then the first time she gets taunted by herself and you see the perfect Mima leave and just go like just lightly jumping Hopping off of the, the street the, lamps. Like, oh, my God. That's so cool. Right. It's, like, yeah, it's really well done. And I know, Mary, we mentioned the virtual Mima part, this whole part. I know you mentioned Mary really like this. And I want to say it's. It's done so well that you're sitting there watching this and going, well, wait a minute. I, I'm not sure what's happening. She's not sure what's happening. What is actually going on? Mm-hmm. So you kind of, the director did such a good job because it feels like you're in that spiral of paranoia with her mm-hmm. because you're not quite sure why she's seeing this. What's happening? Is she completely broken? Is she doing all this to herself and not realizing what's happening? And I like that touch. Yeah, no, and 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 to speak to that too, and I think Leanne, because you said you like fucked up movies, like there's that there's that um, sequence like towards the was it past the halfway point where it kind of does this whole um, rotation of of her waking up in her apartment going to <laughs> yes, sleep, yes, know, yes, like, yes, keeps flashing back and back around and round and round, and each time like the details change a little bit. Um, I like the director um, and Joe Bob said this best is an unreliable narrator, and it's like that makes perfect sense. I'm I'm not always a big fan when there's movies where it's like it, I don't like the hand wave of like well it's just messed up deal with it like I think that sometimes it's bullshit because it's like you didn't write it strong enough here that's it's like, an easy way out I think yes right and in this case and even that that interview with the, the director um like the the interviewer was asking about like the complexity of the story he's like yeah he's like we actually had like an earlier version of this that actually revealed everything earlier in the movie and explained everything he's like but it didn't work. He's like, we wanted to leave people guessing enough to where they can make their own assumptions and then things will pay off. The movie pays off in a lot of ways. It does leave things, some things unresolved because we're put in the same shoes as Mima. Um, so that whole sequence where we're just left uh, like, what's reality? What's shooting the, 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 the TV show? What is she seeing? Because one time she's on set, she sees uh, Mr. Mamanya in the distance. Sometimes she doesn't. Like there's that all like back and forth, back and forth off kilter. And whenever she actually calls her one co-star uh, Rumi or whatever, like there's this whole thing. And then she ends up, what was it? Rumi's at her place. And then she's like, I haven't seen you in a week. And Rumi's like, I was here yesterday. Like you are unmoored with her and it's wonderfully done. Um, and and also- I, I know for a fact that they, so there was something I noticed in that part of the movie where you're going back and forth and back and forth and, you know, she's waking up in bed again and then she's at work and then she's waking back up in bed again. Well, the second time she wakes up in bed, I saw something on the floor that I didn't know what it was. And like, I was trying to put it together in my head. I'm like, it's clearly an object. It's on the floor. I don't know what its purpose is. And then a short time after that is when the uh, the pizza guy gets killed. Mm-hmm. And there's a part where 
um, he essentially smashes the glass to stab this dude. And what I saw on the floor actually looks almost identical to that window being smashed. Oh, so you're talking whenever the, the pizza delivery guy kills the photographer. Um, and yes. Then, because well, even later on, she finds that bag full of the bloody, bloody clothes in her closet. You know, so, the you know, we know we, we know she's being messed with or, or maybe maybe she's doing it. Right. So I think that's speaking. And that's yeah. and that's why I liked that. I caught that because it kind of it makes you wonder, is it really happening or is it something she just glanced at in her room mm-hmm. and had a fantasy about? Yeah, no, that that's a good call. And I think that I, I like those elements. And, and Mary, I'll give you credit. You and I got into a little bit of, of a heated argument the other night. Um, I know what you're about to say. So, Mary, tell them. Like, there's that sequence. It's during the okay. photo shoot. Yeah. So, yeah, during the photo shoot when she's in the bathroom trying to decide if she really wants to do this or not. And then she sees the perfect version of herself, like, walk out through the back door. Um, and then she goes out onto, like... A, the the visualization of her being on stage like, with the two yeah, remaining so, so, members so of champs Chan. performing at like yeah. you know at the the food court and then we end up having that Mima show up and that's when we yeah. have Mr. Mamanya like looking holding up his hand looking at that shiny version of her singing as actual Mima's doing the photo shoot yeah. yeah so that sequence um I swear to me and again I could just be reading too much into it. I feel like the two members of Cham, like after she's quote unquote visualized in between them singing with them, um, I feel like they kind of like give each other this side eye glance. Like, what is this? Like, they're like they notice that she's there. So I feel like I I I don't want to ruin the ending just yet. Well, no, but you you felt like there was a physical presence there. Yeah, I felt like there was and, a physical presence there. And, 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 I, and, I, and I was angry, and I'm like, no, shoo, shut up, shut up. I actually no. made him laugh when we were done. I was like, just, just shut up. No, no. Um, so well, while watching today the commentary from Joe Bob, one of his interludes is like talking about shared hallucinations. And he was like, watch that sequence. He's like, look at those singers looking at her. He's like, who knows what's going on? And he was speaking to... I, okay, fine. Shake your head at so me. So it takes Joe Bob mentioning it for it to be valid. <laughs> what I'm saying is it takes a second person uh-huh. to point something out. Uh-huh. Okay. Brief aside, I've, there's been plenty of times in my life where I've been talking to my wife about something, and she won't listen to me until somebody says it otherwise, and somebody else says it. So whatever. Anyway, so. That's because you're wrong a lot. Um, you know. <laughs> I think he meant to say rarely. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> no, but with, but his point about like the shared hallucination, that is something like once you start thinking about it, there's a lot of that because with Mima, um, the, I, and again, most films that would kind of like try to walk this line, I'd be pissed off about, but with this one, it's like, it does it so well because it keeps you uneven because you're in the shoes of Mima the entire time, um, that, uh, we don't know when she's dealing with virtual Mima or Mr. Mamamia or the other person like, you know, like, so it it leaves you like constantly like guessing, is it her own psyche fracturing and she's visualizing this or is it Mr. Mamamia like writing on a message board? Cause there's, there's literally a bit where he's voicing a her as he's writing, Mm -hmm. typing, typing, typing in his little like uh, incel cave 
with all the photos of Mima. Um, right. I also that too, when all the photos start talking and her voice to him, <laughs> that's a wonderful sequence. And yeah. Hush, and then when we see like, well, and looks, that's another sequence, um, that it's, I feel like there is a presence in the room with him. Yes. And it's well, yeah, not we, just him. But, but we don't know for sure if yeah. it's just him imagining that Mima or the other person that we now yeah. will find out eventually. I get, why do I keep like waiting to talk about it? But we'll talk well, about it when we get there. Have a, it's a big reveal. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, so the thing is like, it, it's like in this movie, it could be, it could be all three or none of the three. And for whatever reason, I'm okay with it in this movie. More often than not, movies like this would piss me off. I don't know what it is about this that I'm okay with. You know what so I mean? The I, thing I, I'm, what I'm kind of thinking is, okay, so I have a different thought process than a lot of normal people. Okay. So the way I see it, it's, I'm going to try to explain this. When it's the perfect version of her, it's the view of the person that turns out who did it and their view is interacting with other views so it's not something actually tangible but more of a a lap of realities coming together does that make sense yeah, um, like Joe Bob actually described it. Like he 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 went two ways with it. One was like Mark David Chapman, uh, who shot John Lennon. Where like he like with Chapman couldn't he couldn't um he he couldn't um how do I want to say it? Once he learned that John Lennon wasn't his public self of like peace and love and like this like really easygoing guy, and then when he learned that like John Lennon was kind of a piece of shit that left his first family and was a, a wife beater, he couldn't resolve both halves of this popular figure in his head. Yeah. There and was no way for him to reconcile the two yes, sides of John Lennon. That one is put on for show and one is the real him. Yeah. And so that he could never reconcile that where it's like whenever people hit a certain level of celebrity and fame, um, there's there's a certain amount of like um, f- uh, fan worship. That, that's I guess that's the old adage of like never meet your heroes. Right. Where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean, I think also there's people now there's like, we've I've, I've met people that I've like I've considered like, you know, important in my life that have been assholes. I get it. But they're human beings like, you know, catch me on a bad day. I'm not saying that I'm a celebrity, but you know, it's like, you don't, you Everyone never Everyone has a bad day. Yeah. And you never know when you're catching somebody. Or like somebody's actually an asshole and you find out like, you know, later, right? Like what, what, what if, what if like we find out that Mr. Rogers is beat kids? Like oh, behind the scenes. I'm kidding. He I was just did. thinking uh-huh. of something along those lines the other day. I don't remember what triggered this thought, but I was thinking about the, the documentary, um, won't you be my neighbor? And I was like, good Lord, I hope nothing ever comes oh, no, out like, no, his wife about even Mr. Said, Rogers because my world will be shattered. No, his wife even admitted that like mm-hmm. he had a, a temper, but like, you know, he did a good job of trying to offset that. Like, and, and then so the, I'm not saying he was a perfect person because he's not. Say, like, what was it? Stephen Wright once made a joke that he had two very rare uh, photographs. One was Houdini locking his keys in the car. And then the other one was uh, Norman Walk- Rockwell beating a child. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, um, so there's that whole thing of like, you know, you meet a celebrity, like, you know, whatever it is, what it is. Right. Like, um, but then the other person he mentioned, and I forget her name now was the, the person that shot, um, was it Selena, the, 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 uh, pop star. 
right? Um, because uh, she was a super fan. Yeah. Yeah, and she like started getting closer and closer, and like she ended up getting like really fully entwined with the family. And then whenever like eventually when Selena actually confronted her, um, that person shot her because she knew that like like I will never have the same closeness of relationship. And like she, it's just, like so um, there's a lot of this where it's like you kind of feel like with um, with this type of celebrity, whenever you have Mr. Mamanya, who clearly you know like he needed help. Right. Like regardless of how he looked like melted Michael Jackson, we don't know his mental health, um, but he was obsessed. He was fixated. Right. And um, like, you know, it, that's that was never healthy. It's never been healthy. And even then, like that, even more so because like because the Internet was just becoming a thing. But like, you know, that that is very upsetting. And then we find out the, the other person, which let's just say is Rumi, that was um, obsessed with. I, I didn't realize this. I guess Joe Bob mentioned this that like it said in the movie, and I, I've seen this movie multiple times. We knew Rumi was an agent and was protective of Mima. Was she used to be a member of Cham? Was she a member yeah. of Cham? Yeah, that's she what was a pop idol movie. herself. Okay, I've seen this movie like ten times, and I I've never seen it three times, and I knew that. Okay, well, congratulations. Uh, so <laughs> I didn't know that, and I've seen it only once. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, but the fact that she understood the machinery that could chew you up and spit you out. That whole thing where she was trying to, and she I also, was trying to recapture her youth is what go. it felt yes. like. So because of Mima, she was living vicariously through, through Mima. Her. Yeah. But then when Mima stopped wanting to conform to what she thought was a perfect pop idol, her brain couldn't handle it and fractured and, and became Mima. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like became so I, yeah. perfect. So Mima. and I actually. I figured that out right away. <laughs> I said, I told Jeff, I said, how much you want to bet it's this bitch? Kudos <laughs> like, to you, because I did not. <laughs> no, but I just, I, 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 yeah. and I said, you're probably right, but I want to wait and see what happens. I, I, I don't like, I don't like that the, the two biggest weirdos in this film have the eyes that are like they're a foot so, apart. They're like, yeah. What was the thing that yeah. I about her, like they said something about meeting in the middle somewhere. I'm like, I'd like it if her eyeballs could meet in the middle. <laughs> <of her face." laughs> there was, there was def- definitely a thing people having weird eyes because okay, Mimania has obviously his eyes are far apart, yeah. Rumi's eyes are far apart, yeah, and then the, the photographer did horrible things. photographer has weird eyes, and then yeah, yeah the photographer's eyes like, two different directions. He's looking at two different things at once. Yeah, um, yeah. So I just I don't know if that like I mean I don't want to eye shame anybody, but you know it's just I just feel like, <laughs> no. I feel like that was one of the things that was an artistic choice to make well, you feel sure. off about them. Like there was something. Yeah, it's supposed weird. to be off kilter, but it's yeah. just more like it's just I don't know. It, it just feels like it's like they're both like separate. Like you you if you ran into them in Mass Effect, you'd be like, oh, what world are you from? I don't know if you're from Earth or not. It's fine. Like it's just, I get it. No, but yeah, like but yeah. Go sorry guys. Go ahead. It's your show, not ours. Say it also made me wonder, are Mimania and Rumi related in some way? Because if you really start thinking about everything that's going on, when you get to the reveal of what's happening, obviously she was influencing at some point, or they might have been working together. Because it seems too coincidental that these two people would be carrying out something so similar against Mima. I have a feeling that she was already taking over like the, the public persona of Mima. And then whenever I, I'm going to guess she even started maybe some of the online stuff. This is my own speculation. And Mr. Mamania was probably like reaching out as a fan 
And then she probably connected that way. Oh, she's probably feeding information to him. Yes, that's what I feel like. I think they are both working on Mima's room, right? And eventually I feel like, because at the end, whenever we find out that like, he got a he got a hammer to the head, and that was brutal and amazing. Uh, <laughs> it was that, nice. That was the mirror of like that was the actual like r- the attempted rape versus like you know like like a wonderful mirroring the fantasy the- version. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a, a beautiful symmetry in the storytelling. I'll just put it that way. Not a beautiful like you know like you know what rape's beautiful. That's not what I'm saying. That's <laughs> um, artistic choice. Yeah, uh, but then but then we find out he got that, that hammer in the head, and then when Mima ran back and his body was gone, trying to show Rumi, and then she mentioned, uh, "Oh yeah, Mister Mamamia failed me." I, it feels weird to me that she would refer to him like in that kind of like um, polite familiarity, like that. But it's like that's it's like that he's they're using like you know the. Um, like the, like not, not professional, but like the, like, I don't know that person's per, like, you know, cause if she would have referred to him as like, oh, my nephew or my brother, like that would have been, I mean, that would have been fucked up even more. I get it. But I feel like, um, I feel like he was the fan that reached out and she didn't, he didn't catch actual Mima. He caught Ruby, Ruby pretending to be Mima. Mima. That that's, makes that's, a lot of sense. That's my thought process. Again, this film is up to a lot of discussion. Clearly, if uh, Aronofsky and Nolan are stealing from it, I, and they're, you know, and who am I? You know, so I'm not going to get into that part. But um, well, you're not Mima, just so you know. Maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, I heard Paul does have that outfit somewhere. <laughs> I am the songbird of this or any generation. It's uh, in the back closet along with his pizza delivery. Yeah, costume. yeah, yeah. My pizza, <laughs> delivery, my big body pizza delivery. Where, yeah. Anyway, just yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Actually, speaking of the speaking of the pizza delivery guy, if Mary still has her phone, uh, I sent her a nine second clip on Messenger showing what I was talking about. Uh, the thing that's on the floor versus oh, the man. window that gets smashed. Oh, <laughs> I'll have to watch that later because that's yeah I that at all. That's cool. No, yeah. like, like I think this is one of those films that it, like um, uh, Jeff, I'm cutting you off on your own show. Well, welcome no, to me no, no. on a podcast. No, um, this is how it goes, man. It's fine. Uh, like no, Joe Bob mentioned, like he's like, there's a lot of films that you watch the first time through and you get it, and you're supposed to get it right because it's like like surface level you get it, but he's like it's the second time through where you start questioning yourself. And I think that's beautiful about this film because the more you kind of get into it, the more you're like, it, what is like, meaning like you get it. The whole, like the film tells you, like once you get to the end, you know, as much as like Mima, you know what? She's never going to be right again, but somehow she's happy in the car. She's like, I know who I am. I'm like, I don't think so. You know, like oh, whatever. It's <laughs> like, definitely one of those movies where you need a second watch to pick up on certain things. Yeah. Even I just think. Or I think, third watch yeah, or fourth. But it's like, it's like, you know, you know where the story ends, but then you start finding different Stepping elements. Stones, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's very important here where, like, I think this film is very watchable. Um, you have to, uh, you know, give it its chance, let, let it tell its story. And then at the end, you're like, okay, that makes sense. Like, like, I feel like this is the better version of High Tension. Um, which I don't know if like. Oh, that's another messed up movie I love. I do too, but I, I don't think. I've not seen it yet. Okay, well, never uh, mind. I'm not. I, I, I know, I know the twist already. Oh, unfortunately, okay. it got spoiled years back. So, no, it's it's a it's a really great movie. I just don't think the twist is as earned as it should be. But the movie itself, like up to that point, amazing, right? So, um, I'll just put it that way. Uh, but yeah, like 
I, I just, I think it's like meme. It's like, how are you, per- like your mental health is going to be shattered for the rest of your life. You just can't be like, ha ha, and just drive off and like in your car, leaving, leaving your former friend and, and a, like a uh, partner, uh, not partner, um, your agent, uh, left in a, uh, mental facility, believing that she's you, <laughs> you know, I like, do appreciate yeah. the little, uh, tip of the hat at the end though. When she looks in the rearview mirror and says, what did she say? It's really me or something like that. I, I, I am real. It's like, I, yeah. 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 But like the breaks the fourth wall for a second. But like the hotel staff, like not the hotel, hotel, right? The hotel for you know the (laughs) mentally infirm. I mean, well, yeah. As as we all call uh, Holiday Inn, I don't know what I don't know what that means. Uh, No, uh, but (laughs) sure. No, but like whenever the the hospital staff's like, "Oh, is that me? What's going on?" She's like, "I know who I am." Just drives away. I kind of liked it. I liked it because she clearly went through trauma. She went through trauma when she got raped. She went through trauma um, with this whole issue. And, you know, maybe she did some therapy sessions behind the scenes and she turns out to be accepting of her past and maybe being okay with it. She just needs the occasional reminder that I am real. And yeah. then she can go about her day. And it, it does make sense because Japanese if you... culture just breaks it a little bit for me because I know in Japan, um, mental health and self-care is still a really new idea for like, them. Like, what, what if she did that? She um, in the and says, I know me, I'm real. And as she drives yeah. away, you just see the the, go- the ghost of, like, perfect Mima in the backseat <laughs> as she drives away. Like, the Frighteners, right? Like, you had that moment? <laughs> like, that would have been amazing. No, it's well, it is an unfortunate thing though. No, it's it's a good ending, but it's like it's like everything's good now. It's like no, I don't know, people are dead, <laughs> and this person's broken. You know, like I just I don't know if we deserve that because like the music at the end is very upbeat and happy. You're like, do we get here? Is that what's going on right now? Like I don't know. Um, and they all they're... lived happily ever and, after. And then and then the the two person group of Cham, then their next single went to eighty two. You know, well, <laughs> like, actually, hey. maybe maybe it was trying to do a balance. Of, you know, because so many horrible things happened in the movie, you guys need a palate cleanser at the end. Yeah. No, I've definitely, it's, it's, a, it's a product of its time. And I agree with you. Uh, I, absolutely. Um, and look, can we, like, I, um, since we talked about the roomy reveal, how awesome was that last sequence when she, um, the, is there? And, and when we find out that, that um, crazy. that Mima, has been brought because there's that bit whenever Rumi like takes her from the studio. She's like, I'm going to take you to Mima's room. And you're like, Oh shit, that's not, that's not how you refer to. I'm going to take you to your apartment. Like, I like, I'm going to take you to Paul's house. I'm like, that's not how you call my house. It's like, it's where I live, you know, like whatever. Right. Um, and then when Mima wakes up and then the fish are alive, <laughs> like, I think and she's very confused. Yeah. yeah. She's like, she's like, yeah. I thought I fucking killed those fish, you know? Like, <laughs> and, and I want to get there. But when we were talking about that last, the very end of the movie. Yeah. I kind of want to say I I see where Reliance coming from because if you look at Mima in that sequence, there's a significant amount of time that has passed because her hair from the beginning of the film to where we see the confrontation is very much shoulder length. When she's leaving the facility after visiting Rumi, her hair is significantly longer. So yeah. time has passed. So there may have been time oh. where she worked on herself oh, to the point where she knows. Yeah, but if you look you back, her hair is longer, so there is a progression of time. So I think maybe there is a chance that she was able to reconcile what happened and move forward. Maybe. That, that's fair, too. That's fair. But, uh, 
no, no, you're right. Then, then because clearly, because it's been, it has to, it had, it had to have been like not the next day, right? Like, well, whatever. they even insinuate yeah. that like she brings flowers to Rumi all the time. Yeah, that there makes was sense. a statement yeah. that they made that it's clearly it's happened before. And they even mentioned that Rumi shows up sometimes, right? When she's not being Mima. Like, I get that. And that also mirrors the double bind ending where uh, Mima's character fades in and out and she's like, oh, I'm a model, whatever. Like, you know, like, like there's, there's all that symmetry and I, I dig that too. Um, but like the final sequence, whenever like we go to Mima's room and the fish are alive and that's the tip off. She's like, I thought I killed them. She didn't say that. Um, um, and then whenever Rumi um, starts like, you know, revealing that she is like has taken on that persona of being the pop star. I love the sequence of the reflections in yes. all the windows during the chase sequence. I was going to say, like, it's, that's yeah. one of the things that struck me the most about that part is when you see virtual Mima just like, you know, effortlessly giggling and chasing after real Mima with the, with the knife. And then you see the reflection and it's roomy and she looks like she's about to die. <laughs> yeah. She looks, <laughs> looks, like, she looks like, uh, like a defensive lineman, just like just chugging along. Because it's, I, I can't quite verbalize it. it. It's an image that sticks with you because of how diametrically opposed it is. And then you get to see exactly how messed up the reality it, it, actually it, is. It's the director finally mm-hmm. showing us what's actually going on versus what we've been perceiving the entire time. You know, yeah. and what, what meme has been perceiving the entire time. Um, yeah. I like that it gives you answers, but it also doesn't answer everything. Oh no. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do like um, whenever the wig gets knocked off. Mima, sorry, uh, uh, um, Rumi's like, "Oh shit, my wig's off. I, I, I'm not me anymore. I'm not her, or whatever." Right? Like, yeah, she's like, "No." Yeah, and goes to chase it down. It's like, "Oh, you really are. You are cracked." There's there's some problems there. Yeah, but, but, but let's <laughs> rewind it back back a bit. <laughs> um, I like as much as being stabbed by a knife. I'm sure has to suck. Like I, I've never been stabbed by a knife. I've been cut by cats multiple times and I've cut my own fingers. making. Food. It's basically the same thing with cats. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, getting stabbed with an umbrella has to suck. Right. Cause it's <laughs> right? Like, oh like, God. Cause it's like that, that's not, that's not sharp. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. After end. the glass breaks, when when, when Rumi's reaching for the wig, and then and she, the, yeah, yeah, no, no, thanks. I still cringe at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that sequence, whenever, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff, please. I was gonna say, there's one part when there, when Rumi reveals herself in Mima's room that she has created this full-on recreation of Mima's actual room. There's a scene in Land, and I both went, oh. You're seeing virtual Mima, the perfect cham pop idol Mima, and then the face changes to mm-hmm. Rumi, and you see the eyes, the whole face morphs, and the eyes separate, and it's like, oh, <laughs> it's so <laughs> gross, but it's so <laughs> effective because you're like, now we're seeing what the reality is. It, it's it's uh, it's uh, Jeff Goldblum going from Brundlefly to the Fly is what's going on. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, it's very because it's like it just it it just it's just showing you everything that you know, right? And it's like it is, yeah, it's very upsetting. And then even the bit at the end, whenever we have Rumi out in the roadway when the truck's coming, and she has the blood on her glove, and she wipes on her face and looks directly at uh, Mima, and she stands up because she sees the spotlight, 
dear God, that's a, a beautiful sequence. Mm-hmm. And then I also like that, like after uh, uh, Mima saves her and the truck driver gets, I was like, oh shit, what happened? Like, you, like the entire time he's like, did I hit somebody? Oh no, oh no. Like, like I, w- I wanted him to be like, I have two strikes. Let's just get out of here. That, that didn't happen. <laughs> like, call the call the ambulance. Call the cops. It's like, yeah, that, you should. <laughs> but and I, but how she finally got her moment in the spotlight, and it's the headlights of a truck coming towards her is so goddamn good. You know, it's like really good because you're seeing you're seeing two sides. You're seeing Rumi going, "Oh, the spotlight. It's for me. I'm famous. I'm Mima. I finally getting what I want." And it speaks to how broken she is. But then we see Mima run to save her from just getting demolished by this truck. And it speaks to the fact that regardless of what Mima's been put through this entire time, she still has the bit of humanity left in her to not watch somebody just be turned into a sack of goo on the roadway. Like She's like, yeah, you're putting me through this hell, but I don't want to see you die. You need help. I'm gonna try and get you out of the way and help you still. Like she, she has like, the, like wow. the moment at the end where she can actually exert control over a situation because control's been taken away from her every step of the way, right? So like, I get that because this this film's about dualities, right? We have mm-hmm. um with Mima being the pop star, wanting to be the actress, and then her fighting against herself. We have Rumi being like you know the the failed pop star or the less like whatever like she was and now she's not trying to you know reclaim that and then we even have like i don't know the dual there's there, there's this whole parallels this entire time um and that's why when i call this very hitchcockian because hitchcock was all about parallels he's all about doubles and it's like you you watch this and it's like you know dear god like i just um i think of like vertigo where uh jimmy stewart's character falls in love with the same woman twice like you know because i kind of got I kind of got like Mulholland Drive vibes. Oh, I'm sure Lynch <laughs> loves this film. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. Um, and just- also, there's, um, I like to watch Bojack Horseman, and um, there's a part in the series where he gets addicted to pills, mm-hmm. and while he's addicted to these pills, he's also shooting a show where he's playing a detective. And he starts to lose reality. He yes. gets confused as to what's the show, what's real, and he winds up choking his co-star. Yes. And I I definitely got that vibe. No, I, I, I get that. I, I, the blurring of reality, like, it's just, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, Fantastic. I, I, I just, I love this goddamn film. And also, too, like, I like that as us, as a viewer when we see some of the initial like killing going on, especially when it comes to the photographer and when we see the pizza boy looking like, um, you know, uh, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, the, the, Rumi. Ru- not Rumi. Well, she's the killer, but like, uh, Mima, uh, how we get that, that parallel, which Jeff, you mentioned, like the steel book has that image, right? Yes. But like, um, an ice pick to the eye has never looked so violent to me. It's Christ how that all comes together. And even like the director of double bind, how he's like, Oh, there's this, there's a CD player in this elevator. Like what's going on. And then him just being dead and his eyes gouged out and he collapses. Like, it's just, um, there is a, when, when the violence happens in this film, it is sudden and amazing. And Mm -hmm. 
Um, I, I like that us as the, as the audience, that as much as what, especially when you watch this movie the second time, third time, fourth time, whatever, when you know what's going on, I love that they've purposely made the decision to keep, to keep fucking with you. So you don't know exactly who's doing what this entire time. Right. Well, like, how else would people be able to make podcasts about it in the future? <laughs> right. He was keep. Yeah. Like there was that brief bit too. Whenever uh, was uh, 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 she showed up at the the studio with her two uh, uh, co- like the the other singers and Cham, and they were doing their their, their weekly radio show, whatever that was. Right. She's like, oh, I no, want to stop. It was buying. a podcast. They called it a podcast. They didn't call I it think. a podcast. No, they Did called they? no, oh, no, it was no podcast. Podcasts weren't a thing at that time. They never. Mm-hmm. No, the, I, Mary, I promise you. It didn't exist. It's, it's about eight years before podcasting. Yeah, because podcast became because of um, you know what was it? iPods. iPods weren't a thing at the time. Okay, you're yeah. right. Don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> no, but they were doing their weekly radio show, and then she walked in, and then she saw like the ghost of herself, uh, you know, Mima, and I was just like, oh, this is podcast culture <laughs> right now. Like, <laughs> it's like I'm waiting. I'm waiting for, uh, you know, uh, what was it? I'm waiting for uh, Blue Apron to pop up as an advertiser <laughs> there. Um, I just, it, the, the, yeah. it definitely screamed podcast because I was like, wait a minute, are they? And then they give the call numbers for the radio station. I'm like, ah, okay. They're like, you can tune in once a week and catch us here. I was like, okay, it's a radio thing. Yeah. But it definitely seemed like two people on microphones in, I mean, they're in a studio, but it was like they're at home somewhere just recording this for everybody to listen to. It definitely gave off podcast vibes. So I could get why. Yeah, I just yeah, I'm telling people so if you've listened this far, I'm not watching this film. We've ruined it all for you. I I feel bad. However, watch it anyway because it's fucking amazing. And then, but it also is. like what I'm saying, like somehow this was like a year, a year and a half into the 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 current technology loop that even though the technology has changed greatly, the um the initial experiences still work right. Like um I don't know if people remember this, the pilot for the X Files. I uh, had them using cell phones, like very rudimentary cell phones. So they were able to actually talk to each other at different locations, like, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, Mulder, Scull- Scully and, and, and Mulder. But it's like, because of that ability of communication, the stories still hold up. Like, you know, you can't send cat photos to each other, but you could call each other at distance. Yeah. Um, well, even, so- even in, uh, Lethal Weapon from 89, Danny Glover's character of Murtaugh, he uses an old cell phone. It's the kind that had the battery pack with it. Yeah. But he's out on the freeway overpass with it sitting on the hood of the car calling back to the station. Yeah. So, so even I- then, there was still some people using them. But yeah, I know in the X-Files was probably the big gray Zach Morris type cell phone. No, it, it really, I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't like, Pause. Let me talk about what works, and I'm a piece of shit. No, it wasn't that. Uh, uh, no, it was a little smaller. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, like, this was just on the edge of what we consider like the modern technology of like those phones and um, like the web and everything. The only thing I wish that that a Western audience has adopted was that you have your sink and you can move the faucet over to fill the tub. And I wish the tub would sound off an alarm when it got too full. That's what I want. Still. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. I did too. Yeah, I was like, wait, she has an alarm for the tub? What it's like, a, it's like the same thing for a teapot. Go do other things and live your life while your bathtub is filling. Yes. Yeah. So I always kept making a joke every time in the movie a phone rang. I was like, oh, the tub's full. You know, anyway. So, <laughs> so I just think that like this film is just right on that edge. And it's like it's enough to where 
yeah, it's older now. It's like, what, 20, 23, 24 years old now? Something like that. It's still um, technologically relevant, though. Yes. And then the implications are still there. And I think that this film resonates. I think it really works. And I think people need to go back to it because um, the animation holds up really well. The The editing in this is still very modern. Like the, the match cutting between sequences where we get like, you know, uh, an image of like whatever it was to one thing. And then it would cut to like, it was very much the, the, the transitions were pretty seamless. And, it, and and even then the image that we were shown versus the next scene, they were still able to juxtapose whatever, like they were able to still show you, like there was differences in themes. This film is very, very smart. I can understand why um, amazing filmmakers have taken so much from this film. And I know I'm holding it up and like my, uh, my Mount Rushmore. Um, but yeah, I, I will always go to bat for this film and I cannot wait to share with the both of you the, um, the, the English versions of the pop songs that are in this because, uh, you, you watch this with just the, the, uh, the subtitles that we've mentioned before with Mary and I, like the, the actual English dub track on this is amazing. Um, that's not always a given for, uh, yeah. For- yeah as we were watching it, I was trying to imagine the words in English you know going along with their singing but i just yeah. it wasn't working for me at all yeah. i was like this is not good <laughs> it's, it's always a given you have a, actually a good dub right like i mean i've watched plenty of italian westerns and the dubs like those are always shot like as the whatever like they are what they are right uh but like the the, the english track for this is amazing as well and people should check that out so um i'm so glad that you guys love this and I'm glad that uh, Mary loves this as well. And I know I've talked too much. And that I know that's what I do. I'm a wrecking ball. I am. Yeah, but uh, you know what? We know that about you. We love that about you. That's why we have you on multiple times. You're like, oh, just put the car in neutral. He'll drive. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> we don't have to think about anything. You do the heavy thinking for us. Oh. Uh, it and just, it's easy, too, when it's something that you really adore, that you can come on and talk. And it gives us insight because we're like, this is the first time watched. So we want to know what you're thinking what your experiences are, how you feel about it and what you've picked up on, on your multiple watches of this film. And plus it says a lot that, you know, this was something in what 97 mm-hmm. and we're still able to have uh, this huge conversation about it. Mm-hmm. We all have a lot to say about it. I picked up a, uh, a VHS for $20 at a computer game store at a mall in Sandusky, Ohio. And it's, it's left an indelible mark on me. I don't know how many VHSs I could say that I've like, like, that's the one, you know, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. and feel the same about Juana man. I've never seen that. So I'm good. Um, <laughs> that wasn't one of your favorite VHS movies. Of I've, all time. Oh, I've never seen it. Um, I mean, I mean okay. it's, it's uh, one of Miguel A. Nunez's masterpiece films. I actually um, really liked that movie. Uh, um, <laughs> if I, have I did too, and I know now it's problematic going back, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, it was funny. I mean, like, I mean the original, funny. the original, um, you know, um, Nickelodeon version of, uh, like, I mean, going to like the like the boardwalk and putting a nickel in and Birth of a Nation. I'm kidding. No, uh, <laughs> no. What I'm saying is like my, my favorite, my favorite VHS watches were this and uh, Aliens. I don't know what it is. That movie plays really, really well on a VHS. Uh, but, you know, the cleaner that image gets, the more I see the seams and the effects, which I don't care. I get it. That movie, like, I get it. But watching that, like, I, I would watch that movie on a loop when I had the VHS of it. But this is one that um, now that it ha- people have so much more access to it, watch this goddamn movie. 
Um, do yourself a favor. Hell yeah. 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 I'm not saying that like, is it perfect? Blue. I don't know. No. Um, um, no, but, it isn't. But at the same time, it's like you could do way worse. And I think that you owe yourself this watch. Um, it's 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 wonderful. And I think that you would be robbing yourself of an experience if you don't watch it. So that's why I always want to bring people this, because if you're not familiar with uh, Japanese animation, fair enough. I'm not as well in a lot of ways. And if you want uh, fucked up, which I know that uh, Mary and Leanne like a lot, great deal. Mm-hmm. But you want fucked up with like guardrails. This is the this is the movie for you. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I I do want to say I absolutely, as someone who loves kills in movies, I loved these. They were, I mean, we didn't get to see what happened to the male agent Mima had because we just see his body kind of slump over at one point. <laughs> but seeing the writer of the show, just the elevator doors opening, it reminded me of Die Hard when we get ho ho ho. Now I have a machine gun. Yeah, because you just see him just kind of slumped there with his eyes gouged out and just blood all over. You're like, oh, but oh. but agent definitely opened a uh, letter bomb and he was like, no, nah, it's OK. Like, well, it just happens, whatever. And he's and his hands are bandaged for a couple scenes. <laughs> like, I don't know. The way he passes it off. And she's like, wait, wasn't that couldn't that be connected? And he's like, no, 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 it's, it's totally different things. That was random. It's like, um, no. Yeah, it's all connected. Yeah, for, for like from that of, point, like, we see the photographer die on screen. We see his kill, right? And then we see uh, Mr. Mamanya take a hammer to the head, but he doesn't die because we find out later he gets killed more so. And then uh, Rumi doesn't technically die. The only kill we really see on screen, because uh, also the one the one punk at the um, the concert, we found out he gets hit by a car because there's that mm-hmm. that um, that article that's put in the elevator. So the yeah, only was real big, something like that. yeah, the only real big uh, violent sequence, other than when Rumi starts confronting, uh, you know, uh, Mima, is that sequence with the photographer, and it pays dividends. Him just wandering and around, it, yeah, yeah. And when you think about it, after you know what the movie is, and you know what the ending is, and you realize that Rumi's been doing the majority of this along with, you know, Mimania as her accomplice, you realize that. Her going so nuts as we see it as Mima is her kind of, you took something away from her. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You're taking something away. You can't have that because I need it. It's mine. You can't have it. And it's very much like you said, Selena. It's, well, if I can't have her, you can't. And I damn sure am going to have her. So I will put an end to you and your exploitative ways because this is mine. It's like, oh, God. It's so just, that's the way I took it anyway. Looking back at that, it's like, oh, the passion in that sequence, because it's overkill. He was dead before she stabbed him, you know, (laughs) times in the back. He's dead. This is overkill. It's a crime of passion at that point. So thank you, Leanne, for all the true crime stuff you let me watch, where I understand that now. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Mary's a true crime person as well. Oh, yes. I'm 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 into untrue crime. I don't know what that means. Uh, no. <laughs> Fabricated crime. Fabricated crime. No, uh, no. It's just I think that like I mean, people could dismiss this as oh, it's like a, it's like a, uh, like an eighty eighty five minute animation film. Cool, whatever. Or you could actually engage with it. And I think it's a film that it's wonderful in the first watch, 
And every single time that I've watched this, I've gotten more from it. And I don't know if that's true of every movie. Like there's movies I've watched multiple times that I love every single time. Right. But there, like this has like so much going on that you always like notice something. And I think it's, I think it's one of those ones that's worthy of multiple watches. Like maybe not back to back to back. I mean, give yourself a minute cause it's a heavy watch, but like, I don't know. Like I think we've, I think I've watched this at least once a year since I've had the Blu-ray. Yeah. Mm-hmm, um, I think the last like 12 months I've watched it twice like, yeah. with, with, with you the second, like, yeah, yeah. God damn. Like I love this movie and I will watch it. I will watch it again. Um, not, not soon, but eventually, you know, like, yes. And I get that. It's, it reminds me of, it's definitely something I could watch again and put on like every, you know, six months to a year basis, kind of like get out. Cause every time I have rewatched get out, I have picked up something else that I didn't notice on the first watch, and it makes the movie so much better. Because there's little things that if you start watching, not the main characters, but the other people in the scenes, you start realizing the bigger picture of what's going on, even though you know from beginning to end what has happened. You start seeing the little things that were dropped in at certain points, and you're like, son of a... That changes everything again. Oh my god. That's how it's so good. That's how I am with the thing. Like, I know that, like, I, I, oh. I, I know, I know, I know. We're yeah. talking. I mean, Get Out's an amazing film. And I'm so thankful that uh, Mary and I got to see that in the theater because it was, a, it was a fun watch. And also the crowd, the, the people, it wasn't a big crowd, but it was a great audience to watch that film with because it was very like, oh, <laughs> the entire time. It yeah. was so good. We were all of the same mind frame watching that movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we saw it in the theater too, and it's oh, it was so good. Yeah, yeah, like the, I think that's the hallmark of, and, and then knowing that there's the pedigree of like, um, how many um, people have purposely stolen from this to make their own uh, masterpieces. I just this thing has legs, right? And I think it's worthy of like, you know, however you feel about this, it's inspired so much other things. And I think that's worthy of the discussion. So I am super, super glad that um, we've been, we've been able to talk about this because I'm so glad that you guys have been uh, watching this. And I, I just you owe yourselves um, like once once you get the 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 Blu-ray of it, mm-hmm. um, the English dub. Like I'm not like I'm so glad that you're blown away by the film as it is because it should be seen regardless. I think you'll really appreciate the English dub because the actors actually like. Like it's, it's not, they don't sell it. They don't, they don't, like they don't just um, not sell it. Um, They don't phone it in. It's, mm-hmm. it's fucking solid, which is not a given for these type of productions. I think yeah. we, we are looking forward to it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Cause there's been some things and I can't tell you off the top of my head. Cause it's been years ago where I watched an English dub of it. And I'm like, okay, that was fine. And somebody goes, no, the English dub doesn't do it justice. You need to watch the subtitled version. And then I was like, oh, there's so much more to this. Okay. Because sometimes I just go, can we just get some people in here to record an English dub and then put it out there for the Western audience? Who cares if it's impactful or not? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so. kind of like when you're doing a disservice to the product that people put their time and effort into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the the English the English uh, version actress that plays uh, uh, our our main character again, Jesus Christ, um, Mima. Why am I not Jesus Christ? That's not her name, Mima. <laughs> no, she's too good. Be real and, weird if yeah, Jesus Christ was in this yeah, movie. Like, yeah, I um, would watch that. 
He got he got uh he got ice picked for our sins. No, um, <laughs> ice picks to the to yeah. the hands. Three of them. Whatever. Would the fish have died though, or would he? Or, um... <laughs> no, 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 no. The fish would have died, but he would have blessed them, so it became multitudes to feed the rest of the peoples. That's what it would happen anyway. So if he no, slipped think... and touched the water when the fish were in it, he would have turned it to wine, so they would have died anyway. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what the so, hell's going yeah. on? Who knows? Anyway, also um, the the English language versions of the champ songs are delightful. I'll just put it that way too. So they're catchy. Yeah, they're very catchy. They'll, nice. they'll never leave your head. So yes. Now, I I was looking at the trivia here, and I want to ask you both if you realize this, Leigh. I don't know if you noticed this when we were watching it mm-hmm. yesterday. Did you notice that the choreography when the three girls are dancing on stage is not totally in unison? You mean like flawed, as if they were humans dancing in unison? Exactly. Oh. They purposefully left made it off that they're not quite in unison to make it seem more realistic because nobody can have like picture perfect choreography. They're like, we wanted it off just to make it seem more realistic. I like that. I, Good eye. I, I mean, it. you didn't catch I read that. The trivia. I didn't mm-hmm. catch I, it. So no, I like the trivia here. This this is the one that pisses me off because IMDB is dumb sometimes. Like yeah, this that's is where I found that. And I didn't look no, at no, anything. No, else, it's it's like there are many parallels between this film and the American movie Black Swan. Like no shit because Aronofsky we we talked about that. The main character in the film was named Mima, and Black Swan, the main character's named Nina. You know, it's like cool. Mima sings in a girl pop group Cham while wearing a tutu in hopes of becoming bigger. Nina dances for a ballet class of hopes of becoming bigger. <laughs> Before the traumatic events occur, both Mima and Nina are already shown to be emotionally sensitive characters. Fuck wow. Trivia. No, no, it's what be said of a lot of movies. Yes. Uh, Not just Nina. Perfect Blue and Black Swan. I mean, yeah, no, no, you know, trust me. Well, let me get to the last, the last bit of trivia here <laughs> a second. Mima and Nima both suffer a traumatic experience. Okay, both characters have their psyches altered from these experiences. Both films contain a substantial amount of blood, sex, and violence. Jesus fucking Christ! All right, so <laughs> wow, but, they're practically identical. The main character is in a threat. With Mima, it's a fax, and with Nina, it's on the mirror of the ladies' restroom. Um, here's the last bit of trivia that just makes me want to set fire to the internet. Both film titles contain colors. <gasps> no. And then, you know how it says, like, you could, like, it says. Mind uh, blown. Helpful or not helpful. Uh, 215 said thumbs up helpful. 72 said not helpful. That, <laughs> those numbers are um, skewed and terrible. So yeah. that by that logic, we can say perfect blue and red dawn. And blue steel, yes. and green room, and blue ruin—they're all similar because they and the color blue, the color purple, the color purple. They—they all have something in common because there's a color that. Excuse my language. What the fuck were they smoking? Yeah. No, I just I hate I hate IMDb sometimes. It's like both films have film in common. Like just calm sometimes, down. Like this. sometimes there's a nugget in there that somebody drops. Like the animation being off of their choreography. I'm like, cool. I didn't realize. No, that, that makes more sense. You know, it's like and other stuff also, is yeah. like the this thing was here. Released in '97 when the internet wasn't really a thing. No shit. They talk about it in the movie. Yeah. As her mental health deteriorates, Mima's apartment appears to become messier and more cramped. Fair enough. That's valid. I, that speaks to what Liam was mentioning earlier. Like, that makes more sense to me. I get it, but it's more like, I hate the whole thing. It's like, oh, you know what both this and Black Swan have in common? Women. <laughs> <laughs> I just They're all alive. 
Oh yeah. my god. It's like, oh, Perfect Blue from 1997 and Toby Hooper's The Funhouse have something in common. They both have protect antagonists that are deformed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Captain EO and Perfect Blue have melted Michael Jackson's in, in common. I don't know. What that means. <laughs> Uh, Perfect Blue and Titanic exist in the same world in which the Nick Rib was a thing. I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> it's whatever. I, I, some of the IMDb trivia is just so stupid. Where it's like, uh, you know, like there's always there's always that trio of like Schwarzenegger, uh, uh, Stallone, and Van Damme were up for the parts of Mima. Like there's always those three. They're always brought in every like film. You're like, calm down. Anyway, you know. Yo, uh, you yeah. know, <laughs> it will be a champion. No, it's just part of the part of is like it's a little too ethnic for me. That's what he said. <laughs> Going down a dangerous rabbit hole. Anyway, yeah, I, I will do the rape scene. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> do it now. Oh, it would just be a day that ends no. in Y for Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, but he's like, it's during Carnival in, in Brazil, <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, like. <laughs> Oh Christ! Yeah, I'm so sorry. We're, we're dragging. I took on the I took on the predator. I could take on the gang of rapists on the, on the strip club stage. Put me in the little dress now. Do it now. <laughs> I'm sorry. And this has got off the rails. Yes. <laughs> I don't get a chance <laughs> to put out my shitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so it, I I think we all like this movie a little. No, I hated it. <laughs> Baby, what a puke. Yeah. It's it, it's ranked uh, 80, 83 on my top 100. On the thumbs. top pops. Yeah, 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 I don't know what that means. <laughs> and he's never rated another movie on that list before. No, it's the no. only movie you've ever rated. <laughs> the, the, baby, the Baby was number 82 on my list. That was it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this one. And I'm sorry it took a year to get to it. Yeah, but, that was that was the, yeah, whatever. Like podcasting happens, shit happens, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we had talked about it for this year, doing first watch February, and I'm glad we got to it. You know, circumstances aside, people obviously at this point have an idea. We've mentioned it here after everything was kind of mentioned elsewhere, but you know, personal things aside, I'm so glad you guys were able to come do this because this has been a blast. Yeah, it's um, been a lot of fun. Thank you for having us. And um, Mary, welcome back anytime. As right? Well. She's delightful. Just let me know. <laughs> I'm, yeah, no, I'm always down. Yeah, I, I, I can quarter back and make sure that everything, the, the podcast machines are running. It's fine. Uh, but um, no, like uh, years, was it two or three years ago on Invasion, we did our year of animation where once a month we'd cover a different film. And I brought this to my co host Steve, and he was over the moon about it. And well, I mean, I mean, maybe if I go back and maybe I'd be like, you'd be like, Paul, it's stupid, stupid. I, I think he liked it. I can't remember. Probably, but I, think I remember he, listening to that episode and he liked it. And luckily, I forgot everything you guys said about the movie. Well, good. That, you, know, that, you know, that's I, that's why I hope people would go to invasion. <laughs> Not <laughs> They're like, I liked it. I don't remember anything about it. No, it wasn't. It wasn't because it's not memorable. It's because I was like, this movie sounds interesting. I need to not watch it so soon after hearing this because I, because at that point I knew everything that happened. I didn't want to go in and be like, well, I already know. So this is kind of boring. Yeah, fair enough. But it's like, so, we, we challenge each other in different ways for the year animation. And this is one that I brought to him because like we talked about already, like it was important to me and he really, really dug it. And, um, 
you know, he's no longer around. Um, you know, we've talked about that because, you know, you were on at the devil's ball that, that night when we said goodbye to, to Steve and it was, you know, it's all, it was, I know you, you didn't know him, know him, but you've been listening to that show forever. So you, you've got to know him and that's very, it's a lot. Um, and I know he dug this a great deal and for the chance for me to revisit this again with the both of you and also to know it was something that, um, that he liked a great deal. You know, um, I also challenged him with that film Persopolis, which if you ever guys want to get to that, that's politically charged. But, um, yeah, this was it's, one that it's, think, on, it's on my list. It's yeah. on my list. I know that's what a lot of people say, but it's definitely I have an actual list of movies I'm compiling and multiple but, pages of a spreadsheet. It, it's just one of these things like therapeutically speaking. It's just nice to know that I get the chance to discuss a thing again for people that I care about that I enjoy that I also know that he enjoyed as well. So not to try to drag the shit down and we've gone too long, but that, that, that means, that means a lot. It really does. Cause we consider you a very good friend at this point. I mean, we have not met in person. I mean, you're in Ohio, we're in California, but there's only like what three States between us. I don't know. I don't know geography. Um, I <laughs> I don't ask me down the highway. Really, I, I, I can't tell you where the lake is. <laughs> oh, <here's, hey, laughs> uh, so Mary will be mad, mad at me about this. At one point, like I, um, I moved to Ohio in 2000. She's been living here for most of her life. Um, she didn't know what the state flag looked like. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. To be fair, you could, you could show any state flag to me, and I'm never going to know it, even if you showed me Arizona, and I lived there for a short while for no, work. No. The Ohio state flag looks it, – it's a very particular-looking flag. You should it, look looks, it looks racist, not going to lie. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, but does it not – it doesn't look like a flag, right? It looks no. Like a, it looks like – yeah, anyway, so the fact that, like <laughs> – anyway. We just have a bear on ours. Uh, well, I mean – there's really it's just it's red white and blue with the ohio state flag but it's like it's uh mm-hmm. it looks like it looks like something that would be hanging on a ship to warn you of like a really racist storm coming i don't know what anyway so well for some reason i decided to look it up on wikipedia and uh one of the little tidbits says admitted to the union march for march 1st 1803 so that march 1st is my birthday oh so are you pro um, racist or not? I don't know what that means. What's it? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy uh, no comment. Happy, happy birthday, but you have to wait an extra day this year. So, well, yeah, yeah, I do because I was almost born on leap year. All right, so yeah, happy almost birthday. You have to wait another twenty four hours before you get your cake. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Are we done? Yeah. I think we're done. I'm sorry. I, I, I think so. I, I think I think we are. Yeah, we all yeah. like this. We just all kind of went, what do we say next? Let's talk about flags and Jesus and oh man. <laughs> <laughs> die hard. You can always talk about die hard. It is a, it is a brilliant action movie and a brilliant Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Fun for the whole family. Mm-hmm. It sure is. That's why I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's okay. I've seen it enough times for the both of us. Yeah, I know. I can tell you everything that happens in Nakatomi Tower. Please don't. So, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scroll this real quick because uh, it's a. Uh, 
Yeah, we're on the East Coast. We're um, yeah, about to celebrate yeah. the, the the birthday of Ohio here. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, uh, thank you guys for, like for having us on. Um, I do a podcast. Like I I did Invasion of the podcast with my friend Steve, who's no longer around. You guys can go check that out. We've done it for a number of years. Go meet Steve. He's a wonderful guy. Invasion of the Great podcast. Great show. Yeah, thank you. And then I do another show with um with my friend Terry. We do Strange Highways, where we've been watching the Twilight Zone in various forms. It's an uh, amazing show. It's a show. I'll give it's you that. It's fantastic. I love it. Um, we're about to round. We're about to finish season two of the '80s iteration. My God, it is <laughs> towards the end here. I I just feel bad for Terry. He has no idea what's coming next. So go check out that. Um, yeah, Strange Highways. Uh, and then, um, yeah, that, and then Mary, I don't, I know you don't do a podcast, but, um, I don't know, like, what, what do you like? Do you like tiny things? You like, uh, buying miniatures and things. I don't know what that means. Tiny spiders. Tiny spiders. I spider. do like tiny spiders. You have a tiny spider. So support tiny spiders. Tiny jumping I am, spiders. I am pro tiny spider. Yeah. So <laughs> support, support Mary by buying a tiny spider. Hide it somewhere in your house. Don't let your partner know. <laughs> Which is what I almost did. <laughs> No, when she said she wanted a spider, I assumed it was going to be big, like a, like a, like, cause the spider, right? Like you assume it, like I thought it was going to be like the size of like, you know, I don't know, um, like a silver dollar or bigger. I'm like, well, that's going to be a problem because we have four cats that react to everything, <laughs> right? And then when she's like, no, 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 it's a jumping spider. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, and then, so her spider is like the size of like, I don't know, a dime, maybe, maybe a dime, like, maybe a dime. like it's getting maybe closer to a nickel, but closer yeah, to a dime. Things. And Mayanna showed me multiple TikToks. She's so cute. No, and no. They're, they're adorable. No, they are adorable. Yes. And the, they have their own little enclosure because I didn't know, because I just think, I don't know, I didn't want to become like the Tiger King and then have like all these weird animals. So well, I, but I've heard that the jumping spider is basically like a cat. They clean themselves and everything. Yeah, they call them eight-legged web kitties. Aw, spider groups. <laughs> no, and the and the spider's been cute and nice, but I was just worried. She's that very sweet. I was just worried that like the cats would be like, oh, I could eat it. That was what I was worried about, and they've not paid attention to. They it don't at care all. about yeah. her at all. So, so, <laughs> so, yeah, so, so listen to to my shows and then buy a tiny spider. Um, that's fine. That's where buy we're at. a tiny spider and send it to me. But <laughs> what, what, this actually send, me, or send does, me a spider. Uh, no, don't send me any spiders. <laughs> Please send me all of the spiders. The tiny ones. spiders. Let me stop. <laughs> it's too late. You already said all of them. You, you can make a donation oh. to the Skewered Universe Patreon with a note stating it is for Mary's tiny spiders, and I will forward her the funds to continue getting tiny spiders. <laughs> no. <laughs> See, you hear spider and you automatically think something like a tarantula or something like that. And if you got that, I think Zapata would just have that spider as their minion to take over your household and then the world. Are you no. talking, you talking about uh, our, our cat with thumbs, uh, Sabata? Yes. Yeah. He, he gives zero, like none of the cats care about the spider. Well, Sabata gets curious about her sometimes because I have caught him on my desk staring at her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. It's occasionally okay, fine, fine. that's real very quick, few and quick. far between. It, 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 but, if we're getting messy, I, I have an Instagram for my cat. It's Sabata the thumb cat. Go follow him. Um, he is a polydactyl cat. He's cute, uh, you know, cute as all get out. He is a troublemaker, but I love him, and I post dumb pictures of him. So. When he's a troublemaker that knows he's cute, so but he has thumbs. Mm. My God, <laughs> it's cute. So, yes, anyway. he's like I know I 
tore up the house while you were gone, but look at me, I'm adorable. No, no, his big thing anymore is like opening up every cabinet in our kitchen. Ugh. Baby lock in pretty much every cabinet yeah, we have. Yeah, every cabinet that he, like, we've, there's not a baby lock on, he's been figuring out how to open it, because he has goddamn thumbs, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to <laughs> so... Anyway, so that's, I'm sorry, we're getting into, like, we anyway. getting into the weeds. We're so far into the weeds, we're, like, out in the cornfield and, like, feel our dreams, you know, so, <laughs> please, Jeff, end the show. I'm so sorry. I apologize. <laughs> well, Leanne and I want to thank you guys both for coming on. As we said, extended invitations permanently for both of you to come on. Forever. Forever. Aw. Because we, we appreciate the company. We enjoy the conversation. It's fun. And hell, we can even just get on a call that's not even a podcast if we want to. Anyone so I'll just shoot the shit. That would be great. We love you guys. As Good people, goes, too. Yeah. It's not often that I buy coffee mugs for people. Um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That, that, coffee cup, that coffee mug is near and dear to me. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as that goes, you can catch Skewered Universe Podcast anywhere your pod, any podcatcher that you use. Same with Strange Highways, especially off of Podbean. We are both there. You can find us there. But head over to skewerdhead.com. You can read our blog. You can get links to the show there, our social media. You can even go to the Patreon that I mentioned, and you can support the show. We got transmissions episodes. Transmissions! <laughs> We're going to be doing more audio commentary episodes. We did one for Demon Knight at the end of last year. Go check that out. That was fun. That was very fun. And of course, as you know, I do a second show on Saturdays called Tales from the Podcast. It is a live show. We go live. 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern. That's a lot of fun with JV and Ron. We are going to be diving into Are You Afraid of the Dark, the Nickelodeon series from the 90s. We just finished up the Leprechaun series, so if you're interested in those movies, go check out what we did there. We only did Leprechaun 1 through 6 because Origins and Returns don't matter. I mean, I haven't seen either one of them, and I have no desire to. I prefer the the Warwick Davis Legacy Collection of 1 through 6. I mean, they're not all great, but they are, for the most part, really fun. So yeah, we are going to be doing Are You Afraid of the Dark over on Tales of the Podcast? Go check that out. Leanne, do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to say what I usually do. I'll just tell everyone I love them. And and we we heart Calbrand. Yes. (laughs) We heart Cham and we heart Calbrand. And keep enjoying that universe that's just a bit skewered. Mm-hmm.